Welcome to Inside Muskegon, the podcast featuring Jason Kaisecki. Now, Inside Muskegon. Welcome to Inside Muskegon. This is episode number eight. I'm Jason Paisecki. The Inside Muskegon podcast is a weekly show featuring interviews with community leaders and comments from everyday people from Muskegon, Michigan. The goal of the podcast is to engage Muskegonites in a dialogue about the issues that affect our everyday lives. This week's show features an interview with Tony Lisman, commentary on the interview, listener feedback, and information on contacting Inside Muskegon. While this has definitely been a great week for the podcast, I've been thrilled by some of the media attention that it has been getting. did an interview with Kevin Chapman of WGVU Radio, and Kevin and I spent quite a bit of time talking not only about this podcast, but about podcasting in general, and how people could start listening to podcasts if they weren't really familiar with the medium. And then later that same day, WZZM-TV, Channel 13 here, came out and took some video of the interview I did for this podcast with Tony Lisman, and they replayed that at noon and then again at 5.30 and 6. So that was really cool to see the podcast is getting some attention in the mainstream media, and really, I think any time that there's news out there about Muskegon in general, it just you know shows that there are good things going on in this community, and this podcast is Hopefully just one you know, small example of little things that are happening here and changes that are, are coming. So I, I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much, Kevin, for taking the time out and doing the interview and also to WZZM for coming out. If you happen to miss those stories, there are links in the press section on InsideMuskegon.com so you can watch the video from WZZM or read up on some of the other press that the podcast has been getting. And I just think that anytime news that gets out there on Muskegon, it raises awareness for our community, and it's definitely a good thing. Now on to our interview. This week's interview is with Tony Lisman, the owner of the Muskegon Fury. The Fury are Muskegon's professional hockey team, and they're in their 14th season in the UHL. I'm here with Tony Lisman, the owner of the Muskegon Fury. Thank you for taking the time out to talk with Inside Muskegon today. Glad to be here, Jason. Thanks. Wanted to start out by having you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became the owner of the Fury. Well, Jason, I'm a Muskegon guy. I was uh, born in Muskegon, went to Mona Shores, uh, went to uh, community college for a couple of years, and ended up finishing up my degree at uh, Michigan State. And while I was at Michigan State, um, I actually did an internship with the Lumberjacks, the hockey team that was here before the Fury. And uh, upon completion of that internship, I was actually offered a job to come back. Um, I had one more term to finish up at Michigan State. I finished up that term and uh, at that point decided, what the heck, I'll give it a try for a while. And after a couple years of being involved with the, uh, the Lumberjacks, I actually was able to move into an ownership position with that team. And it kind of... Uh, I guess that kind of was the start of my, my career in hockey, really, if, if, if I look back. And that's where I really, really became hooked on the business. When we decided that uh, the IHL had kind of, the IHL was the, the league that the, the Lumberjacks were involved with, had kind of gone into a, uh, uh, a direction of going into bigger markets, we ultimately had to move the team to, to Cleveland, Ohio. And when that happened, um, coincidentally, at the same time, there was another league that had formed. It was called the Colonial League at that time. And we were... Uh, we were able to put a group together to keep professional hockey here in Muskegon and at the Walker Arena um, by joining the Colonial Hockey League. So 
Um, at that point, I stayed in Muskegon. I kept my ownership of the uh, my ownership stake in the Cleveland team, and uh, thus started the Muskegon Fury. I think that's fantastic, and uh, I think the community is very lucky that you made the commitment to keep a hockey team here in Muskegon because uh, Muskegon has such a rich tradition of hockey, hockey throughout the years with the uh, you know Mohawks, Lumberjacks, and now with the Fury. Uh, what do you think makes Muskegon such a great hockey town? Well, I think we've got to go back even further because if you go back in history, back to the uh, the 1930s and the, the Mart building right across the street here, right across Shoreline Drive, we actually had hockey, and we can call it professional or, or, or a high level of hockey being played in Muskegon that far back. And I think that was the uh, the roots of, of hockey here in Muskegon. And I think a lot of credit goes to those those early people um, in the 60s, and especially Elsie Walker, who was a, a, you know, a diehard hockey fan. He, um, if you look at the literature he, he built this this building specifically for hockey originally um obviously you know since then we've you know the the community's funded the uses for the building as well um but but those early people um i, I think really were the foundation of of making this uh you know a great hockey town now in 13 years of fury have never had a losing season and you've never missed the playoffs and over that time you've won four colonial cups what's your key to success well right right from the beginning um you know, we, we followed, you know, in the footsteps of the Lumberjacks. The Lumberjacks had enjoyed some tremendous success here in Muskegon. Um, certainly some uh, some tremendous players that uh, that played here went on to be superstars in the NHL. Um, you know, a, a couple of uh, a couple of championships, numerous years in the finals. So we were, uh, you know, we, there was pressure. And this, this town had, you know, grown accustomed to a winner. And I think, you know, from a business aspect, everyone wants to be associated with a winner. So right from the beginning, one of our very high priorities was having a, a winning team on the ice. And, you know, I, I get asked that question a lot because obviously the, the success is, has been pretty good over the years. Yeah, definitely. And... And my answer is always the same. It's as simple as just surrounding yourself with good people. Um, you know, we had uh, we made connections with uh, um, with people in the NHL right off the get go. Our first year, we had affiliations with the Kings and the Penguins, and it just kind of grew from there. And, and by bringing in, um, you know, not only not only you know coaches coaches that are of of high quality, but the players, um, but also the, the the support people from trainers to broadcasters um, to equipment managers to to the front office people, and it, and over our history, uh, we have numerous staff members that have gone on to be, um, you know, uh, into positions in the NHL. Broadcasters, we have a broadcaster in the NHL. We've got trainers in the NHL. We had uh, two of our most recent equipment managers are now in the NHL, as well as coaches and players. So it, it's as simple as, as, as expecting excellence and surrounding yourself with good people. I think that's great advice for any organization, not just a professional sports franchise. Kind of along those lines, or you know, maybe back more to the Muskegon question, why is it important to have a professional hockey team in Muskegon, and not only Muskegon, but right here in downtown Muskegon? Well, I think there's actually multiple reasons. The you know, first one being, and a lot of these will you know surround uh, you know the financial reason, but um, you know, the hockey team generates nearly one half of the revenue that comes into the arena. Um, you know, and obviously that's significant because the arena has other other uses as well. Um, you know, annually um, over five hundred thousand people use this building, and you know there's there's at times the impression that uh, you know the building sits empty if there's uh, not a hockey game or a basketball game or um, you know, a circus or a concert. And that's, that's totally untrue because on those other nights, specifically, you know, mainly during the winter months, um, you know, there's just a huge number of kids and families and, and men's leagues that are using this ice surface, um, 
you know, for, for recreational purposes. There's the speed skaters, there's the open skates. And, you know, so that, that it's drawing people downtown. Um, and, and that, I think, is extremely important for our downtown. Half a million people, specifically during the winter months, which are typically the slower time, are coming downtown because of this building. And, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, the, with, without the hockey team, the building, the building really isn't uh, um, as viable as it, as it should be. Yep. So ultimately, I, th- I think that uh, you know the, the the main reason for having you know to, to need a team downtown is driving that traffic downtown. Yes, definitely. Uh, we're kind of you, you know you you talked about a little bit there about the uh, Walker Arena as a venue for not only sports but other activities, and there has been talk of plans to build a club room on the. Uh, here at the Walker Arena, can you share with us a little bit about uh, that idea? Absolutely. What um, where it all started was uh, in working with the city. Um, you know, it's it's been no secret over the years that the city would like to see the uh, the subsidy to the building reduced. Um, although our building is one of the more successful buildings of its size in the uh, in the country. In fact, the buildings that we've surveyed usually they're in the range of five hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars in subsidies that are required from their communities. Whereas ours has been in the two fifty range. Um, with that being said, though the you know the the city which uh, um, is you know responsible for, for the finances of the building. Um, would like to see that number go down even further. So we've been, you know, exploring and looking at different ideas to to find new generate you know new sources of revenue to the building. And in doing so, I looked around at other facilities. The one thing that became very obvious to me that we didn't have was a club type room. Um, club. I mean, they they go by different names. Some are club rooms. Some are bar restaurants. Um, and ultimately, what uh, we kind of came up with was this idea of putting in a club room, which would um, just add an, a, a new element to the building, if you will. We again, we have these five hundred thousand people that are coming to the building right now, and you know, offering another amenity like that, I think will will you know enhance their experience and hopefully bring more people downtown as well to the events in the building. Yeah, I think it's great not only for bringing people downtown, but keeping them here. You know, after a, after a Fury game, uh, and I, I think it would just be excellent and something really cool to have around here. You touched on a little bit there about your uh, community support, and you know the the community of Muskegon is definitely behind the Fury, and the attendance shows that. And in turn, you know, you give a lot of back to the you give a lot back to the community through various charities. Uh, do you think the two go hand in hand? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, if I were to, to make a recommendation to any professional sports team in uh, in any community, it would be you absolutely have to become part of the fabric of that community. And, you know, and to, to that end, you know, we've, we as an organization, anybody that's asked us for help, we're going to give them help. Um, you know, we have, uh, uh, we have our players involved in the schools. Um, you know, we, we make donations to just about every charity in town. We do fundraisers. Um, you know, right now we're planning an alumni game to help, uh, uh, help the, the victims of the, uh, the hurricane, uh, hurricanes down south. I mean, there's, there's always something that we're doing. And I think um, you know, that kind of goes along with our bigger philosophy that you know, this, although this team has to be owned by somebody, that happens to be me, in reality, the, a, a team is owned by a community, and you know the size of that community can change. If you're looking at the Red Wings, you know, you may call the community you know the whole state of Michigan, but um, here in Muskegon, we've really tried to make it where this is the community's team. It's not my team. Um, in reality, it's owned by the community, and we've 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 tried to give back and and, and make it appear that uh, um, everyone's involved with what we're doing here. Well, that's that's definitely a great uh, philosophy. 
Uh, what do you enjoy most about being the owner of the Fury? Um, what do I enjoy most? Mm-hmm. Certainly the success we've had. I mean, it's... Uh, um, you know, it's it's fun to be with a winner. Um, you know, we've, we've had the opportunity to meet, you know, hundreds of different players over the years. We, we uh, um, to see these young guys develop is uh, is something that uh, we take a great deal of pride in. I mentioned earlier about the uh, the people that we've moved on to the uh, the ultimate in our business, that being the NHL. And, you know, we, we keep close tabs with those people. And it's uh, um, something that I think our community can be, be very proud of. Um, and, and, and I guess on a, on a bigger scale, um, you know, I'm, I mentioned earlier, too, that I'm, I'm from this community, and I, I'm proud of this community. And I think that, um, that that's maybe one thing that, that our community needs more of, is we need more people to say that they're proud to be from Muskegon. And I think that, you know, our hockey team being nationally recognized, our hockey team being, um, you know, one of the most successful professional sports organizations in the country um, is something, you know, for us as a community to rally around and be proud of. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully that's something that helps spark, you know, further, further growth here in, in Muskegon. Uh, I, d- I definitely, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, uh, you know, pride in Muskegon in your community is very important. And the Fury are going a long way to help that cause here in Muskegon. Now on to my last question. You have one minute alone to a person who's never been to a Fury game. Make your pitch to get them to the game. I, I do this quite often, so this is this isn't that difficult. <laughs> and it's uh, um, the, the thing about our sport and the thing about our product here in in Muskegon is that it's it's an exciting product. It's a very very high caliber of talent that we have on the ice, and the thing that that I think will sell it ultimately is to just give it one game. You give it one game and people are hooked. Um, you know, beyond the, beyond the game that we put on the ice, our, our ancillary entertainment that takes place during the game, um, I think is, is very good. We, uh, we have numerous giveaways and promos that we do to, to add to the, the fun night out. And it's not a lot of money, um, to have a great night out. And if you have kids, I can tell you I've got five children, and there is no sport like, like hockey for little kids because of the action. It's, it's continuous, and I can tell you from the, the dings I have in my walls at home from little hockey sticks, uh, <laughs> um, I've got a bunch of little rabid fans. And I hear that time and time again from other parents that bring their kids to a game that um, it's, it's just a, a fun sport for the kids to come to, a great family experience. And uh, I, I guess to, 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 to end my one-minute pitch, I'd guarantee you that you'd have a good time and you want to come back. Well, that is, that's a strong guarantee. <laughs> I think people would agree. Well, thank you very much, Tony. I appreciate you uh, taking the time today. I'm glad to do it. I appreciate being here. Well, the first thing I want to point out about the Fury and Tony Listman is a point he made and what he started out with, which was his philosophy from the beginning, you know, kind of sharing some of that experience maybe he had with the Lumberjacks and some of their success. But when I asked him, you know, what was important with the Fury? And, you know, he said right from the beginning that they had to be successful on the ice to be profitable as a business. And I think that was a very important thing that they did right from the beginning. The Fury have always been winners. You know, every one of their 13 seasons, they have had a winning season. They've made the playoffs and they won four championships in that time. And it's a real sense of pride in the community, you know, that the Fury 
are winning all the time and you check the scores in the paper and they you know they they won the night before they're on a big winning streak or they're going through the colonial cup playoffs again and it makes you proud as a muskegonite not even if you're not a hockey fan that you see your team is out there and your team is winning so you know my hats off to tony and his whole organization i think the the fury really is something that we can be proud of in our community and you know, kind of speaking about the community and their commitment to the community, I think those two, and I made that point that they go hand in hand, but I think they really do. And it's important in whatever your business is to give back to the community and help people who maybe aren't as fortunate as we all are in our lives. And some of the work that they've done with the Child Abuse Council and United Way, just to name a few of the charities they work with, you know, that's really important. And and it's not done to be successful as a business, but really what happens when you get out there and you get your name out in the community and you're connected with doing positive things, it just can't help but rub off on your business or your organization or your team. So, you know, I I think that is something we can really all keep in mind. And not only, it's not always giving of your money necessarily, although, you know, a lot of those organizations do need money and do appreciate it. It's giving of our time and we do a lot of pro bono work and free websites for organizations and nonprofits, and it's just our way of giving back to the community. So whatever business you're connected in, kind of keep that in mind. And I also wanted to talk about the Walk Arena as a venue. And for those of you who maybe haven't been down there in a while, like myself, I had lived away in the Detroit area for quite a long time and came back to Muskegon. And I went to I went to a game at the Walker Arena. And I, I honestly, I just couldn't believe it because I hadn't been there in about 10 years. And I have to say, for a city the size of Muskegon and a county with 170,000 people, the, the Walker Arena is really a venue that is impressive for a community our size. And, and to get it packed with fans and to see it, it, you know, it really is something that you can be proud of as being a Muskegon resident. You know, you have some of those things downtown and some of the big pieces of the puzzle are in place for downtown redevelopment and you have the walk arena you have the frolenthal and you have some of the things that other communities would really just that other communities just really can't do because they just be too expensive so that is something to be proud of in our area and and kind of the latest news and something that i talked about with tony is this club room and it would really be something that would keep people who came to games and events at the walk arena downtown after the games because i've had that experience where I'll, I'll go to a game and i'll just be ready to go do something and there are things to do downtown but i think it would be great for muskegon because what you want to do is when fans come to a game and you get them downtown or even if they go to an event somewhere else or maybe go out for dinner is have like this club room or this bar bar and restaurant type place that people can come hang out and it can be something uh, it can be something that's a draw to downtown and you know people will come even when there aren't events, if there are cool things to do downtown. So hopefully uh, the community can get behind that and the politicians. And it does sound already like the initial reports are very favorable and it is something that the city is going to get behind in the county and help them with the funding to do that. Because I think it would just be fantastic for downtown to have another venue to kind of go hang out and have fun and help with the downtown renaissance. So thanks once again, Tony. Keep up the good work. And for more information on the Muskegon Fury, visit furyhockey.com. I wanted to take some time and do a quick update on episode number five of Inside Muskegon. In my interview with Dr. Mahawili, I kind of, you know, put a call out there for Muskegon people to write your local politicians, send them emails, and talk about alternative and renewable energy and what they were going to do to help with the energy crisis and, you know, skyrocketing fuel prices and heating bills and things like that. 
And I did that at the time when that episode came out, which was about three weeks ago. Since then, I've been contacted by a representative for Pete Hookstra, and, and he directed me to an op-ed that Pete wrote about alternative energy. This was a few months ago, and kind of outlined some of the things, some of his philosophy, and what, and what Mr. Hookstra thinks should be done with alternative and renewable energies. I'll put a link in the Dr. Mahawili show notes, that's episode number five, to Representative Hookstra's op-ed on that, and... Also, Pete Hookster agreed to be a guest on a later episode of Inside Muskegon, so you can hopefully look forward to that in February or March. And if you have any questions for Pete Hookstra, you know, please feel free to email me. And I and I thank him quite a bit for being the first politician to come through and you know respond. So if you think a medium like podcasting can't make a difference, well, there's a great example right there of how it already is. Now moving on to some listener feedback, got quite a bit of interest in the Tracy Lorenz podcast, and it's, there's there's some really funny comments on the website. I I don't have the time to read them all, but I would say you know go ahead and visit InsideMuskegon.com and click on the Tracy Lorenz episode. There were some funny things that people wrote, and I wanted to share a few of the comments that people left on the website there. Our first comment was posted to the website, and they say, I downloaded this podcast for a bit of a giggle. After all, we are talking about Muskegon. But it was really well done, production value was decent, and Tracy was a fun speaker. Yeah, I tend to bash on Muskegon for all the obvious reasons, but it's good to hear you and Tracy are doing something positive. Perhaps I will sl- <laughs> perhaps I will be a little slower to mock the town. Keep up the good work. So I think that was kind of a kind of a backhanded compliment, but actually it was someone who went in and they were they weren't really expecting much from the podcast or the interview, but it kind of made them rethink their position. So I appreciate that comment and, you know, keep listening. We'll, and we'll see what we can do to change your perception, hopefully about Muskegon. Next comment was also posted to the website and they say, I like the edge that Tracy walks much as I sometimes don't agree with them. And I think his beliefs in Muskegon overrides the perception of smug. It's just a shame that the editorial latitude is curtailing his content so much lately. Well, thanks for that comment, and maybe we'll see a return to the Tracy Lorenz of old in the paper. Next comment is from Jenny in Norton Shores. She says, My sister sent me the link to the Tracy Lorenz podcast. I was very impressed with Chris Kelly's Edison Landing podcast and the Tracy Lorenz one. I think the website and podcast are a great way to promote Muskegon and all of the events happening. Well, thanks a lot, Jenny. I appreciate you sending me that email, and also it was nice to catch up with you and see what you've been up to lately. Now, our last comment is more of a general comment on the podcast, and this is from John in Muskegon, and he says, it's nice to have a venue for people to talk about what's going on without the political wall. I think this is the type of stimulus that is needed to help push Muskegon forward. Well, thanks a lot. I definitely appreciate that. That brings us to the conclusion of episode number eight of Inside Muskegon. For more information, visit our website at InsideMuskegon.com. Inside Muskegon is produced by Jeremy Sear. For Inside Muskegon, I'm Jason Pisecki. Feedback is welcome at Jason at InsideMuskegon.com. This has been Inside Muskegon, the podcast featuring Jason Pisecki. Feedback is welcome at InsideMuskegon.com. 